Hey Lexi. Hey, how's it going? Good, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. This place is mad. Yeah, thanks for meeting me at the museum. Yeah, thanks for having us. We're standing outside Frederick Layton's house. I guess from the outside, obviously it looks big, but it doesn't really give anything away. Yeah, you don't, you don't notice it as like a special place, given the context of what I've been told I'm going to see. And, and you're in for surprise because you, have, you haven't been here before. No, exactly. All right, well, shall we go in? Yeah, that's okay. it. This way. This is mad. So this is the entrance hall, the new entrance for the museum. I really love that picture of the really big picture of Leighton as a young man that you see as soon as you come in. Yeah, I feel like we'd go for a pint together. He just looks, he just looks cool. Yeah, he does. He? Yeah. He's wearing like a kind of, it looks like a brocade silk kind of waistcoat, and he's got. Big lapels. Yeah, you just know he was cool. You could just see from that picture. He must have had loads of friends and everyone wants to be his friend. <laughs> He's just got that <laughs> yeah. back, hey. <laughs> he has it, so, oh yeah. Yeah. Welcome. But he looks like it, maybe he needs a bit more sleep. But I imagine a, a man at that age and that time is probably having a good time yeah, himself. Yeah, definitely, especially in this house. Well, yeah. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Leighton House. How can I help? We've got our our National Art Passes. Oh, great, you've got National Art Passes. That means you get free entry to the house and to our exhibitions. So whenever you're ready, your entrance to the historic house is just through the doorways there, and that starts you off into the historic reception. Thank you. Great, thank you. All right. All right. So should we go in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Hello, my name is Nabiha Iqbal and I'm a musician, DJ and broadcaster from London and today I'm here at the newly reopened Leighton House. Hi, I'm Lexi Morveridi, I'm a fellow musician, artist and programmer at South Bank Centre. And this is Meet Me at the Museum. Museum. (laughs) I think... The reason why I thought you'd be a good person to walk around Leighton House with is because of a lot of conversations that we've been having recently and since we became friends. I know that you're half Iranian, you grew up in Yorkshire and with obviously recent events but just in general I think a lot of the things that we talk about discuss this whole idea of what it feels like to be diasporic growing up in the UK and you know you're as British as I am. I, I've got Pakistani parents, but also born and bred in England. And um, I feel like this house, this Leighton House, symbolises a lot of the kind of like layers and nuances to what makes up British culture and British history and what it means to be British or English or any of those things. I want to see what your reaction is to the house and how you feel about it and where the conversation leads. When you told me about this place, I was so curious about its existence because at the time it was built, there was a complexity of issues around colonialism that we now know, but also there's this nuance about an artist and what that means to be an artist who's inspired by a place that is not their own. And then fast forward to now, I'm working as an artist myself on my identity and my experience as a diasporic individual from from a background where it is layered with I am British but I am also Iranian and what does that mean so when you told me there's a place called Leighton House that kind of encapsulates all of this in 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 a building I'm really excited to 
opened my eyes to what this is and, and explore it through this lens. So thanks for inviting me. Thanks for coming. <laughs> we met through music and we see each other quite frequently at music events. Yeah. The project that you conceived for the South Bank Centre was rooted in looking at a colonial history of, of the River Thames. You know, we started on a project working together, but that also turns into a friendship when you're working with people who have the same interests and are excited about how they, you can bring narrative to, the, to audiences in a different way. Yeah, I, I just think it's really important to try and do those kind of things, you know. So with that project about the Thames that was called Cascade, it was all about telling stories that normally go under the radar of mainstream history and culture. And in a way, maybe that's something that Leighton was trying to do when he made this house as well. Because I don't know if you could lump him together with a sort of like colonial looting that went on. And that's what I want to find out more about. And I don't know, but I just feel yeah. like when you walk into this building, the absolute effort and like dedication that would go into creating somewhere like this and the way that he commissioned loads of artisans to create the things to build this place and inside it it doesn't for me like my kind of gut reaction is that doesn't come from the same place it comes from a place of like appreciation there are ways in which celebrating a culture within the noise of that colonial landscape is really important yeah i hope Leighton from the other side can hear you say that. I'm sure he'll agree. <laughs> that is Before a wicked you, yeah, door. Yeah, it's an amazing door. The door frame is so beautiful. Oh man, that's so sick, it's huge. Even as an entrance hall or as a room in general, this is pretty, pretty nice. It is. When you come to a historic house, you know, I just love seeing the detail and everything. Mm. Because when you look at new builds these days... It's, there's no detail at all. You know, if you're, if you're an artist and you have playground like a house that you're going to design and build in your own image this is the detail where you can get some amazing things i mean it's it's all these carvings going around the door i've, I've got a kind of weird obsession with doors at the moment we come to the right place yeah you know no, it's because it, in, in iranian cinema there's a lot of like visual poetry going on and and that can often mean things like doors within a film can represent the idea of not being able to leave but wanting to, mm -hmm. or a closed door being something that is not accessible to all. For me, it's about going back, so I can't open the door to go back, but for others, they want to leave and they can't. And this is like huge, big black door with gold yeah. enamel. I'm like, yes. It's really <laughs> a big door as well, yeah. Yeah, for a little person like me. <laughs> and even littler like me. <laughs> Whoa. Oh my days. This is insane. Yeah. This is absolutely incredible. The colour. I don't know, what, what colour do you call that? I guess it's like turquoise. Or maybe they used in natural indigo for the dyes or like crushed up lapis lazuli or something like that. It must be yeah. lapis. Like. I really feel like when you step through from the entrance hall into here, the beginning of the Narcissus Hall, it feels like you're crossing a threshold oh, yeah, in a real definitely. sensory way as well because there it's like warm furnishings, 
carpet, wooden floor, and it feels quite cosy. And then you step over here and suddenly you're in this kind of like reverberating tiled hall. You can hear the water in the background. The temperature's different and it's it dreamy. feels like you're in a different world. It's, it's, it's dreamlike. But also, you know, we came in and we first noticed the door frames when we were coming into the house, how beautiful and elegant and how much effort has gone into them. And then you come into here and, and you just look at this floor and the intricate mosaic and it's just amazing. And every direction that you look in, it's just like an example of true artistry and craftsmanship and creation. I mean... I don't know where to look. Yeah, but I feel like we need to walk into towards yeah, the little the fountain. Now we're really in a different world. I feel like we could be in maybe somewhere like Morocco. You know, where you go into one of those a house, traditional house with a courtyard in the middle. Yeah, yeah, and a fountain. yeah. Fountain. Yeah. The only way I can describe what this feels like is very similar to when I've been in a thousand-year-old spaces in Uzbekistan that were, were influenced or part of the, the Persian Empire. And you walk into there and you're like, oh, my God, this is like nothing you've seen before. And I'm looking now and I'm like, wow. It's, I've not been to Isfahan, but I'd love to go in Iran, but I imagine that these are the kind of spaces that are there that just blow you away. Yeah, absolutely. Isfahan is also on my top list of places to visit. We'll have to go there next yeah. for another. Yeah. I don't know if the National Art Pass will get us into I'm not sure. We'll... <laughs> so this is called the Arab Hall. All the tiles and everything you see here, some came from Syria, some came from Iran, some came from Turkey. Wow. And, then, um, and that niche there is from Isfahan in Iran. Where? That, so, you know, in the oh, alcove really? there, the pictures kind of like mosaic. That's from Isfahan? All tiles, yeah. Wow. Early 17th century. No way. That's incredible. And also the stars. Riza Abbasi. Wow. Those stars, you know those stars either side of the niche? Yeah. They're also from Iran, but from the 13th to 14th century, so they're wow. really old. It's, it's really, it's, 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 it's almost like stepping into a, a space that is curated like a gallery almost of work and artisan craft from around the world but done in an almost unified artistic way it I mean, sums up london really it really does well. no it really does hi hi, hi <laughs> i'm daniel robbins a senior curator here at the museum i'm nabiha i'm lexi nice hi to hi nice to meet you you too we've just been uh trying to convey what the space feels like and what it looks like through just talking about it and it's really difficult could you tell us a little bit about the history of the house well so this house was entirely built by frederick layton who was the only artist uh, well only person ever to live in it and he lived here over a 30-year period and over that time he was constantly adding to it in some way so he started building it in the mid-1860s and he was working on this extension from 1877 and it was finished in the early 1880s. And where we're standing in his Arab Hall, as it was called, is the most um, memorable extension that he built onto the house. We've gone through some of the information about the tiles and where things came from, but maybe you could tell us a bit more about it. It became somewhere that really had no equivalent in 
in London at that time, and so everybody kind of wanted to see it and and experience it. Um, and it was re really the result of a long period where Leighton was travelling and was beginning to collect the tiles that ultimately would line the walls of, of the space. But it's still a bit unclear as to when did he actually decide that he was going to build it. Um, and there's one of these early... Uh, accounts that says he was sitting with his architect and they just were surrounded by tiles, piles of tiles that had been collected and his architect sort of suggests well maybe we should build something to put these in and Leighton sort of says well alright then. Wow, so that's very much the artistic process though you don't necessarily intend to do what you actually end up with so they had the tiles and then went maybe we should do something with this and that's what we're in now. Mm. Do you know why Leighton had such a fascinational interest in collecting all the tiles? Well, so he, he went to North Africa first when he was in his 20s and then later he travelled to, to Turkey in 1867, then Egypt the following year and then in 1873 he went to Damascus and he clearly loved architecture and the houses, particularly when he made that first trip to, to North Africa. It's the domestic architecture that really grabs him. And he, he basically loved it. I think not from a particularly kind of scholarly point of view. It was purely a kind of aesthetic response to them. So the only comment that he made was overheard by somebody else where he said he'd built it for the sake of something beautiful to look at once in a while. Is there anything about how and why he chose certain works, or is it just an aesthetic? I think it's that sort of era had this sort of weird confidence in combining things that really didn't belong together and co combining the work of Leighton's contemporaries and the sculptor Edgar Boehm was involved, Walter Crane designed these mosaic features, so people that Leighton had commissioned to do these bits of work and then combining them with the original material, the tiles, but doing it in a way that honours all of it is what I think is important about this space and I think the other thing to point out is there's no evidence of him living out some kind of fantasy dressed up like he's in the scene from the Arabian Nights or Lawrence of Arabia or something it was part of Leighton's great kind of wide interest in what he considered to be beautiful and he tried to express that in the house. I think you feel you feel it as soon as you walk in whoever comes in this space you do get that sense that it's just like a really deep ode to beauty and art and creativity and craftsmanship. It almost feels like as much as he was an artist, he was a curator in that sense. And as someone who programs and platforms artists, as well as an artist myself, it, it speaks to that, you know, curation and giving space to other artists and artisans. And as, I like this non-hierarchical sense of the space because... Mm -hmm. There is a confluence of Western influence and non-Western influence, but there's no dominance of either. It's very much its own thing. Yeah, I mean, that so perfectly <laughs> expresses what we, you know, where we've got to and what we hope people will feel coming here, because perhaps particularly at this point in time with the debates that are, are going out, it would be very easy to see this as a sort of expression of, you know, there's this, this wealthy artist going around and helping himself to whatever he liked and sort of sticking it in his, his house without a second thought. And, and as you say, there is a value to it that is kind of completely non-hierarchical and expresses the way that these things fuse together. Yeah, we were discussing earlier about the way that there are just so many layers and this like big 
tapestry that makes up London or even the UK on a wider level. And in, this house is an example of that because it's not just straightforward colonial looting or anything mm. like that. It's kind of the opposite almost. Mm. And, and I'm, just, I'm glad that this, it still exists because then it gives people a chance to learn about that. And I think it's really important to never look at anything in binaries or, you know, generalizations. And then what Leighton has done with this space is like an, is an example of that. Yeah, but I think this whole, it's a very personal expression. This whole house is a kind of very personal statement. The, the, the key person on, on setting out all of these tiles was William de Morgan, who made these wonderful peacock blue tiles. And where tiles were missing, de Morgan then had the job of trying to make facsimiles. The best example of the two parrots on the fountain here and the left-hand parrot is, in fact, a William de Morgan kind of mirror image copy of the original on the right-hand side. You can see the colours are slightly more even and, and slightly different, and you can just see the difference. But you really have to look And I it. wonder if, that, you know, in Islamic art, there's always one mistake on purpose. The belief can't is that you can't... Perfect. Yeah, yeah, only God can make yeah. things perfect. So I'm wondering if any of the artists commissioned to add things in here followed that rule rule. and made one mistake on purpose. Uh, And that's the thing about all of this, is that part of it demonstrates what amazing kind of range of crafts and making of things was available in London at that that time, that the marble was all sourced through a London marble supplier, the mosaics were, it was a London company that laid them, this wonderful huge um, chandelier was made in in London, so I mean, it's amazing if you're here in the, early in the morning and the sun's coming through and you get all the lighting in the pool in the centre. I mean, it's quite hard to think you're just in Holland Park. Was he from a rich family or did he make all his money from... Well, so, um, so his grandfather had emigrated to St Petersburg. His grandfather was a doctor and he remarkably became the sort of private physician to the imperial Russian royal family. So Leighton's father was also a doctor but never really practised as a doctor. And so when Leighton was 11 years old, the family, for the sake of his mother's health, they went to live on the continent. So they travelled around the continent and in the end bought a house in Frankfurt in Germany and they settled there. He spoke five languages fluently and he travelled to every you know, sort of possible site of architectural or artistic interest around Europe. And, and the use of the room... Would, would like there's been mention of parties and mm. and entertaining and hosting. Well, so so it um, <laughs> I think it was used or it was used after dinner as in the convention of the time as the uh, smoking room. So the men would come in here to smoke their cigars and drink coffee. And there's an account of a dinner which the painter Whistler and Albert Moore and Burne Jones were here. And then after dinner they come into this room and the description says one of them who's nameless, walks backwards and falls into the uh, fountain. I mean, it was you know, used for that, but it was, as I say, really about creating a space that, that was um, you know, atmospheric and evocative, and, and you were able to see the combination of all these different elements of the tiles, the mosaics, in this very memorable setting. Believe it or not, when, when he died tried to sell it at auction and it didn't sell at auction because, because the auctioneer said uh, 
said, I can't sell that. It's only got one bedroom. How do you expect me? <laughs> That's oh, <right>. true. <laughs> Which is tr true. It only has this one surprisingly modest bedroom. There's no guest rooms in it. He lived here you know, by himself, which, while it's easy to envisage the house as a place where there are parties and he's entertaining people, it's much harder, in a way, to think, when he was here by himself, how did he... What, what was he sort of doing? You know, it's... It, it's almost like it was built as a sort of a place where you, know, he, you, you kind of almost perform the role of the artist. Yeah, it's really interesting. Mm. Mystery. Mystery man. Yeah. He was a bit... People said, you know, people of his, who knew him said, I've known him, I've known him for 30 years, but I don't think I ever really know known him. him at all. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's time for us to go upstairs. Sounds good. And see where all the magic happened in Leighton's studio. I mean, the, the ground floor of the house just blows you away, and the upstairs is also incredible in, in a different way. I mean, even these it's, stairs are great. Yeah, with the peacock, stuffed peacock. And there's the, the, the seating area on the marble floor. You know, if you just want to break up the journey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Halfway up the stairs. This is the silk room. It's the first room you see as soon as you get up the stairs. Wow. And I love this room as well because the walls don't have wallpaper, but they're covered in raw silk. Oh, what? Yeah, and this colour, this green... I don't know what kind of green... How would you describe it? It's, it's kind of metallic. Yeah, metallic, mossy, green-coloured silk. Like, it, sh it shines. Yeah, it's just so luxurious. And I just like like the green silk walls with the gold frames and all, you know, the walls are full of paintings. And then you get so much natural light from the glass dome. It's just a perfect way to display this art, I think. And well, there's a found one here. I've already, I was drawn to this one. It's, it's a Persian peddler oh. painted by, by Leighton. 1852. There's a sadness in, in, the, in, the, yeah. in the eyes. Look at that. Whoa. Head of an Italian man. He looks really sad. I've actually not noticed this about Leighton's paintings before, but the expressions... I mean, look at this woman here. Yeah. She doesn't look happy. She doesn't either. No. There's a real, like, oh, that's Desdemona. Oh, from... From uh, Othello. Oh, yeah. There, there, is a, there is a sense of sadness in the portraits, for sure. I mean, it's a, a woman looking very sad, almost directly... At you. At you, yeah. She looks like maybe Southern Italian or Middle Eastern or some mm. kind of... like She's got very dark features. And I love how he's painted her hair. Yeah. The way that it's shining a bit. And the way she's gazing down, it's not that she's looking directly at you, but it's almost like she's looking into a distance. Mm. Another Millet. They must have been good friends. He's got two massive John Everett Millet paintings. It's the same same time, isn't it? Mm. The London scene. Yeah. The London scene in the <laughs> 1880s. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess what, what you were saying, it is the London scene, right? Because obviously they were friends. They're both in the same city. He's bought Millet's paintings, and I'm sure Millet had bought some of Leighton's paintings. And the way that Daniel was telling us about the room downstairs where he commissioned all his different artist friends to design mm. different parts of the Arab Hall, I think that's such a nice community way of getting everybody involved in yeah. a project. 
And I guess it, it's a bit of a reflection of the kind of work that me and you would do today. No, in it our, definitely In is. our London scene. It's a different, it's a different <laughs> medium, maybe, or a different way in which we connect and collaborate. But, you know, it's, it's very similar in that, you know, you, you want to get the people that you creatively engage with and want to collaborate with in different ways, whether it's working on shows together or... Mm. Or doing this podcast Or together. doing this podcast together, yeah, exactly. This is the only bedroom. This is the only bedroom? Yeah. This, was this the, is and it? And it had a single bed. No. Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. He had a single bed in this tiny room. Yeah. That was him. Oh, no. Yeah. Frederick Septimus Layton. Maybe that's his brother. He's not or painted him dad, with a... His dad. He's not painted him particularly Yeah, his flattering. dad's... That's like the expression of my dad to me, to be honest, where it's like... That that that's very doing? much what my dad is how my dad has looked at me until I got the South Bank Centre. Oh job. really? Oh, what's the, what's this music? Look. I don't know what I need to do to not get that look. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm gonna get it when I when I when I tell him I'm now a full time artist. He'll <laughs> I will get that look. Yeah, that is the dad look. It's the this isn't a real job look. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I think we can both relate to. <laughs> you know. we're a bit behind the scenes at Leighton House as we've been given special access to use the models entrance up to Leighton studio. I knew there was a career for me. <laughs> so yeah this definitely isn't as ornate as the rest of the house. A small wooden staircase. The secret staircase so no one could see the models. <laughs> All his models. Oh yeah now we're Wow. Sick. Into his studio. Whoa. Hi. 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 My name's Hannah. I'm assistant curator at the museum. Apparently you're going to tell us a little bit more about Leighton's private life or him as a person. Leighton very much had this public persona um, after he became president of the Royal Academy in 1878 he was really quite the celebrity and because of that he had this kind of public facing personality which was quite carefully curated and even his close friends said he was actually quite hard to to get to know he was really friendly supportive of younger artists and good at being this kind of face of British art really but behind that we know remarkably little about him as a person and there's a description by another artist of sort of seeing him in in Venice and saying that he cut quite a sort of lonely figure on his own so I think you might be right there's maybe a kind of sadness there interesting personality traits yeah Yeah. I mean I guess for us because we're in his house and obviously he's not around anymore so we're just really intrigued and you kind of want to know more about him but Mm. at the same time he's totally entitled to have just kept his private life private and there's no reason why anyone should know anything about him but but you just want to know (laughs) I know it's intriguing and you know visitors often kind of have that response want to find out more about um his kind of relationships with other people and things but there just really isn't a huge amount of information about his kind of more personal private life and I think he probably liked it that way (laughs) and this space is where he painted this is his studio then yeah this is his studio where he painted 
the vast majority of his his works throughout his career before his the exhibition at the Royal Academy every summer he would show off his paintings for that year um, it was an event called Show Sunday lots of artists did it and early on pretty much anyone could turn up to the house on that particular day and come in and see the paintings that he'd been working on and there's sort of descriptions of a queue of carriages down the street waiting to come in and see his paintings. So members of the public, even during his lifetime, um, would have been able to come in and, and see this space. Well, it's the natural light that's so incredible, isn't it? You yeah, can... you just feel that even on a grey day, you'd still have a lot of light in here. And the, the doors opening out onto the balcony that looks onto the garden, it's just a really nice space to, to work in. All of the houses around here were artist studio houses, were people that he would have known... So from the balcony, he would have been able to look out on all his friends and associates' houses. Amazing. Shout over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, 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 were, we were saying how it's kind of like a scene. And we, we come from like a scene in London where there's lots of mixing of artists and people that are creative. And there are a lot of paintings that he's got of artists at the time. And I'm guessing that these parties would have had that would people have been round? And yeah, so he would have had fairly regular sort of dinner parties. You know, as president of the Royal Academy, he was incredibly well connected. He had um, quite a well-known sort of annual music event in the studio, which again was very much attended by the leading artists of the day. Um, people like uh, John Everett Millet, Bern Jones, Lawrence Almatadema. So those, Leighton was very passionate about music and knew many of the leading classical musicians of the day who would have come and performed at those events, and sometimes Leighton himself would get up and sing something. Yeah, they were quite sought-after tickets, I think. <laughs> I, I didn't know about that, but it's nice to hear because I'm organising some events that are going to take place in the studios, like um, for this project I do called Glory to Sound, and we're going to be hosting four live music events in that space. So, I mean, you do get a sense, OK, there's got to be some music going on because you've got that piano there and there's a bit of a stage area, but yeah. I didn't know that um, that was the... That was the spot where sometimes even he would sing. So yeah. it's good that like we're carrying on, <laughs> carrying on with that energy. So now we're going into the new part, newer part of the building. So this is a new helical staircase which has been built, and we commissioned artist Shahzad Ghaffari to paint this spectacular mural on the wall of the staircase. It's called Oneness, and it's inspired by a verse from one of Rumi's poems. This mural, it, it's, I like how it's on a curved wall as well. That gives it like an added depth, you know, it's not on a flat surface. And it's nice with the glass roof. It's interesting because it makes it feel like it's just sort of hovering almost in the space rather than being on a wall. And I just love all the textures. So obviously she's used different colours, but like the paint is thick mm. in some areas. And then she's obviously like chipped away at it in other areas. But then you have these massive swathes of this like bright turquoise blue, which reflects the colours in Leighton's creation. And then it creates some sort of portal or something. You know, it's a different world. And then when to your eye, as soon as you see that, you just make the association with what you've walked through the whole house. But then obviously it's like on the opposite side in 2022. And yeah, just a lot of food for thought. It's a really great dialogue as well from someone from Iran to be coming here and doing 
a piece that represents the voice not from the West, having that agency to speak to what this place represents. Yeah, Shahzai was really keen for it to be a contemporary piece and have its own identity, but for it to reflect the historic house. So exactly in the turquoise of the calligraphy and the silvers and there's lots of golds and metallics in the house and the little flecks of brown and orange which become more apparent as you head downstairs are a reference to the brick colour on the outside of the house. And and, and the poem itself? What? So it's, it's oneness is really about this kind of coming together of different cultures and religions and this idea of fusing different cultural influences which you can see in the Arab Hall and and Shahzad really connected to that and took that as her inspiration for this particular piece. Incredible because we we were saying downstairs when we were in the Arab Hall that it's kind of confluence of all these different Mm. you know artists and artisans and um, styles of work from different places around around the Swana region and Middle East and what that looks like when it's brought together is is its own collective identity of East and West meeting. I like how she's made it look like there are a lot of layers and that yeah. you're peeling away at them and then each on each level and you're seeing a different colour. But it, obviously it's not like that. She's just added the paint, but it gives you that sense. And then for me, when I look at that, it just makes me think of all the layers of histories and stories and experiences that are in this house mm-hmm. and on a wider scale London and the UK and how everything's connected in Farsi there's a term called dorage which means hybrid or two-veined oh. and that means um, someone from two different backgrounds so you know it's, it's about all of these things coming and being being in one in one and, and what that looks like when you bring different cultural backgrounds together to create something new I think all of those things are exactly what Shahzad wanted to to celebrate in in this piece. Thank you so much for showing us around the studio and this new mural. That's all right. It's been really insightful. Thank you. Thank you. So, Lexi, it's your first time in Leighton House. We've had a look around the whole place now. And what's the thing that sticks out to you most out of everything that you've seen today? I think, for me, it's... It is the sense of bringing lots of different things together to create an experience of the whole. As I've said in my own work, the idea of being British but being Iranian and Turkish and the different elements of my heritage and identity becoming who I am today, neither one overtakes the other. They're all part of the same melting pot. I think this idea of oneness especially from the new piece, really, it kind of encapsulates what we were chatting about when we're saying, what is this confluence of different influences? And the way I kind of see it is like an echo. That kind of reverberation of an idea back then still comes through today. Yeah, I I, I think for me, the thing that I'll take away from today is like just the level of authenticity Mm. within Leighton's life and his work and his kind of like commitment and devotion to what he was trying to do. I think it's really symbolised by his small plain bedroom in a way because you go in you go in there and you just think okay well actually he didn't require too much for himself in terms of creature comforts whatever Mm. you know it's like a very 
um, simple setup. But then you go into, you see the rest of the house and it's like this beautiful display of artwork by himself, but all his artist friends and then all the architecture of the Arab Hall and all these stories about people coming into the space and it being quite public and him being 100% committed to making that experience the best he can, like making things as beautiful as he can make them. And hearing about all of those things makes you realise like maybe he saw himself committed to some sort of bigger cause. There isn't a colonial narrative here because he didn't profit from anything that he, he was platforming. In fact, he just nurtured and celebrated what inspired him and what made him excited. And maybe on another strand as well, like him creating the Arab Hall in a way might have helped to change some of those Orientalist, like very jingoistic like colonial perspectives because there's one thing that you can't deny when you walk into that space and it's just like the level of artistry and skill that's gone into making all of those tiles um all the calligraphy the stained glass all of those things you know and maybe because it's not in a museum setting but more in an artistic architectural setting it hits you differently and that's what curation is it's narrative historical storytelling to to shift perceptions, and that's what the Arab Hall does. I think it shifts. It would have shifted perceptions in a colonial context, mm. and now we can look at it from a point of beauty and preservation. Yeah, and it will still shift perceptions. I think. Yeah, so. it's not extraction. It's yeah. actually appreciation. Appreciation. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Meet Me at the Museum with me, Nabiha Iqbal, and me, Lexi Morviridi, here at Leighton House. If you liked this episode of the podcast, please rate, subscribe or tell a friend. And don't forget, you can show your love for museums with a National Art Pass. It gives you great benefits at hundreds of venues while raising money to support them.